Welcome back to the United Pubcast. You're with your co-host Larry and again, United have played a rotated side so we're rotating things here. I'm hosting and I've got Tom with me to discuss the 3-0 win. Tom, how did you react to that victory this morning? Well, I thought it was brilliant. It was a little bit of a tricky kickoff. I think it was a 4.45am kickoff. But just after full time, I was buzzing. I said, what a performance, what a result. I go to message you about what your thoughts on the game were and I see you were dropping Baileys into your morning coffee and I was thinking, geez, it was a 3-0 win. It wasn't a 3-0 loss. Well, I'm a big fan of Eric Bailly, so I thought I'd throw some Bailly into my coffee. Why not, right? Was that um, what it was, it was a th- about? <clears throat> was it about hey? Eric Bailly? Yeah, Bailly, but, you know, Bailey's Bailly. Oh, no, that went straight over my head. Now I get it. Now I get it. Ah, oh, well done. Well done. It's 6.24pm at time of recording, and Tom's just woken up. Great. So, United won 3-0. As we said, it was a rotated side, and Tom, that did mean that we had a... Well, some players who haven't gotten a lot of game time, and we will start with what you might call the negatives in a 3-0 victory. Quite cynics on this podcast, but uh, let's start with Diogo Delos. He starts at right back. Um, he's been rumoured to be on his way out, if you're following uh, Fabrizio Romano, saying he's expected to actually have a bid from Roma uh, to initially go on loan with an option to buy. What did you make of the Portuguese performance uh, today? Look, I think he was poor, however... I've made a lot, not excuses, but I have pointed out um, so far this season with a lot of performances in terms of match fitness and sharpness, and Dolo hasn't played in God knows how long and suddenly he's just thrown into a game. So I, I don't want to be overly critical. It's a very difficult situation for him. Um, it's very unfair to sort of judge his performance because he, he would have had hardly any pre-season and hardly any match fitness. So to throw him into, look, I, OK, it wasn't Brighton's first team, it was Brighton's reserve team, but it's a knockout game. Um, with a lot of pressure on it, I thought it's a little bit harsh to be overcritical, but I think it was what you're going to get to from Delos. Quite good on the ball, maybe probably a little bit better than Juan Bissaka, um, a little bit more comfortable going forward. But I think, um, yeah, as we'll just mention off there, his defensive instinct I don't think is quite there. And yeah, we are looking to bring in that fullback from Porto Tellers, which I think will push Brandon Williams over to the right hand side as Juan Bissaka's backup. And I think that makes a lot of sense when you see Delos just. A good player, I just don't think it's not, not going to work at United, I don't think. We've seen United linked with many wingers and we've seen the suggestion that perhaps he would be better suited in a more forward position. Uh, do you think there is still a case to say he sh- should or could be utilised as a winger on the right side um, as, as a w- in that position or do you think he's better suited as a defender and he's just simply not good enough in that position for United? Yeah, look, I think he's a right back. I think he's one of those ones where, yes, you can play him on the right wing or the right midfield. However, he's doing a job there. He's not what Manchester United need to take that next step. He's not that world-class quality on the right-hand side, which you'd hope a Jaden Sancho is. I think you could put him on the right for a game and think, yeah, OK, he'd do well. But long-term, I think you definitely need better than sort of try and put a sort of player out of position and hope it turns out. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, no disagreements there. I mean, if we're moving through the squad, um, Oriana Gallo, we've seen United linked with strikers. You know, it started, well, really a year ago um, with Haaland. Obviously, Agallo did come in quite promising at the time, and now there's starting to be some question marks over his performances. Really got a good opportunity from one Mata, who I'm sure you'll have plenty to say about. Um, but again, he was quite wasteful today. While not awful, just simply not doing his job in putting the ball in the back of the net, and you would be punished against better opposition. What, were you, what did you make of um, Igalo's performance in this one? Yeah, again, poor. And I don't want to be, again, overly critical. Sometimes it is hard to come into a change side, but 
I think with him, it almost just comes down to fitness. He just doesn't look fit. And he is a big guy. He does sort of look heavy on the pitch. And he's look, he looks like that when he's in good form. So I don't want to sort of label that at him. But he just doesn't look fit. His touches and there. Sometimes the ball comes into him. And one of the things we have praised Gallo of in the past is his hold-up play. But sometimes the ball's going into him now and it's just bouncing off. Defenders are looking a little bit stronger than him. But I think with the Gallo, we need to sort of... We are being critical of him, but we do have to sit back and remember. When we brought him in in January, or the end of January, start of February, he was supposed to be gone by May. And that February to May period, he was fantastic for what he was. He came in and did very, very well. But that's all he was supposed to be here for. Now, suddenly 2020 has changed the world, and he's had to be here for a few more months, but the club never counted on that. So I think it's hard. I think his future definitely is away from United. He obviously leaves in January, and I think it really does throw up a question of should we be going in sort of really hard for a striker in the next coming days? We've been linked with, like, you know, players at, at other clubs, which we will get into, but I don't know. I think, I think Agalo, there's still an opportunity for him. Um, I think it's just one of those where... Because he did show glimpses last season where I think if he can show an upturn in his performances, there will still be a key role for him to play. But I'm with you. I think he was poor on this one. But you'd hope with a bit more match sharpness... That could change. You did mention with Igalo that his touch wasn't quite there, and that brings me to Dan James. Um, Tom, we did debate the Welshman's position uh, in the last podcast. What did you make of his performance here? Again, taking into account this was a weakened Brighton side. I know he hasn't played a lot, but still showing poor form, um, which sort of rolls back to last season. Look, again, whether he's poor, he wasn't great. So whenever whenever a player's not great, we sort of label, okay, he was poor, he was below par. I think it was just a case where he didn't do anything fantastic. He, he wasn't great, but I can't remember too many mistakes. Obviously, you get a misplaced pass here and there, or you lose the ball here and there. But in terms of real critical mistakes, I can't remember. He did his job in terms of the team. I think you compare it back to on Saturday against Brighton, how often they'll get him down that right-hand side. Again, I understand it's a changed team, different personnel. But how often I'll get down that right-hand side and deliver and cross into the box. Did that happen this morning? I don't think it did. And I'm not saying that was all down to Dan James. But I think that is what he can offer, what he does lack in quality going forward. In terms of his contribution to defensively, which Solskjaer did speak about on the weekend, we lacked a lot of shape. I think he does play like a winger. So we always have that sort of extra body on the wing in terms of dealing with their right back trying to get forward. That's when he does play on the left. And I think defensively he contributed well. Um... Because you think how many chances Brighton created on the weekend. It was chance after chance where that simply didn't happen um, this morning. So, look, he, he wasn't good on the ball and a little bit frustrating. But I think overall, I think fine. But again, Man United, we do sort of, we demand more than fine, unfortunately. I'd love to see him utilised off the bench in a game where he will be given the space um, and he doesn't have that pressure to feel the need to beat a man. I feel like... He reminds me of Memphis, and obviously Memphis is a more talented footballer, but do you recall when in Mourinho's time he'd come on and he just, he'd look like a player who felt the need to impress? I'm feeling that from Dan James at the moment. You'd just like to see him come into a game off the bench where he would just have space to run into where I think we could see the best of him. But, Tom, let's move on to the positives. We spoke about the Baileys I had this morning. Have a toast for Eric Bailly. How good was he today? Yeah, he almost looks like a new signing. When you see that performance, you think, well, you don't need a centre-back. You just need Eric Bay to stay fit. And again, I think with whatever player we're going to talk about, the positives, we do have to understand it's a weak and Brighton team. But didn't put a foot wrong, and it just looks exactly what our centre-defence needs in terms of when Harry Maguire's there. 
it looks like Eric Bay in that form would complement Maguire so well. And we spoke about it last week that we didn't just hope that he would play against Brighton on the weekend. We sort of expected it. And we were sort of obviously disappointed when it was Victor Lindelof again. But this time, I'd be shocked if he doesn't start with, with Maguire against Tottenham. Yo, I'm with you. I thought he was fantastic. And we will definitely preview Tottenham at the end of the podcast. But Tom, please, I'm rolling out the red carpet. The floor is yours. Say what you want to say about El Maggio. Well, speaking of coffee, you can go have a coffee break um, while I, um, in, while the listeners enjoy a little bit of my um, matter loving. But look, I've said it all before. There's nothing more to add to it. it his intelligence is on a different level. I've, I was watching the game. The first sort of 10, 15 minutes, United were very good. And I'm thinking, this is good. United are very good. But I started again a little bit. So matter was involved. And I was thinking, Matter's sort of, he's pulling the strings here, really. So I started to watch Matter's performance quite closely in that first half. And I'm thinking, he hasn't made a mistake. Every single pass is the right pass. And it's a successful, successful pass. And I'm thinking, Geez, I'll have a look at this performance. And I think maybe counted twice. He gave the ball away. And, and the t- times he gave the ball away was like he was trying to sort of put a through ball or a ball over the top. It didn't quite come off. That happens. And I think another time in the second half, he, he lost the ball in a one-on-one situation. He worked back and won a tackle. Like, when do you see one matter win a tackle? But he won it back straight away. So I thought it was look, definitely man a match. I thought he was, look, I don't want to say world-class, but he was definitely up there. But the, the goal as well, like when he got the ball on the right-hand side and the goal, you could almost sit, have that sense that He's going to try and work something. He's played the ball inside. And you can see he made a direct run to get as close as he could to Donny van der Beek. And I think it was, it was, no, it was Fred who pinged the ball into van der Beek. And just you have two players of that quality and sort of on the same wavelength next to each other, you want to see a flick like Donny van der Beek did into Matter's path. And the finish was so composed because he could have shot when he was off balance and the defender was in his way. But he didn't do anything. He didn't do any bit of skill or anything. He, all he did was just wait it. He just waited for the ball to roll into his path when he was nice and balanced and just rolled it in. And we'll get into the Tottenham preview in a little bit, but I think he's worth a shout for that Tottenham game. In terms of the way Tottenham played, Jose Mourinho was likely to set up. I think we will have a lot of the ball. And I think we could sort of maybe benefit from having a Greenwood or a Rashford on the bench to come on in that last 20 minutes. But I think for the majority of the game, having someone of matters quality, and not so much quality, I think the main thing, he's in form. And sometimes when a player is in form, you just play them. And could you argue a player has performed better this season than one matter? I don't think you could. Well, the three two ones will tell us that, and I think that's a perfect transition. Tom, oh, the floor is yours, mate. Who, who gets your three points this week? Well, we don't want to waste the listeners' time, so let's go to two points. <laughs> no, should I say the three points? We don't need to debate it because it doesn't matter. Would no, that be exactly. the right way to say it? Oh, okay. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> All right, pleasure, pleasure. And then there's the two points. So look, I think it's there's. I think we've sort of touched him. I think you have to give it Eric Bay. Um, keeps a clean sheet. He was a rock. Anything that came towards his way, good clean up work. Supported Lindelof well. Who you think played the Maguire role today? Left side of the defense, um, and then Bay was just he did nothing wrong really. Um, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, as I said, he's almost world-class. Like, and again, it's against Brighton Reserves, but it's exactly what you need, or, or exactly what we want, what we've been calling out for from a centre-back in terms of dealing with dealing with problems, no one getting past him, winning his battles. And again, it's a lazy thing, but just showing pace, which I'm a big fan of Maguire, but Maguire simply doesn't have. And he had that aggression, had that pace to 
sort of clean up any, not mistakes by Lindelof, but if the ball seemed to get him behind, there was that tackle, which look, it was a risky tackle, but where he went sliding in in the box, while it was risky, it was quite composed. He knew what he was doing. You were never sort of too scared that he was going to give away the penalty. And that's what we're going to need against players. In Tottenham, I know Son's injured, but they've got to have players who can get him behind. We, we saw the Maguire goal in the first game post-lockdown where they just sort of breezed past Maguire and Lindelof was too far away. And that was too, wasn't too much of a criticism of Lindelof, but we're going to need someone with that sort of so-called recovery pace. And for the, I think if one matter wasn't on the pitch, Eric Bay would have been man of the match. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And and then that leaves the one point, Tom. The floor's yours, mate. I'm very generous today and probably still a little bit drunk from those Bay shots. So, please, who gets your one point? I think there's probably more of a discussion with this one. I think... You could argue maybe... I thought Donny van der Beek, well, didn't sort of stand out like one matter. I thought his performance was just as important, just as influential. Um, I saw Fred get a lot of... I wouldn't say criticism, but sort of saying, oh, is he doing enough? I thought Fred was quite good. Then you make another shout at 1-0. I think it was at 1-0. A very good shot from Brighton, and Dean Henderson makes another. You'd call it world-class save. So if that, if that goes to 1-1, it's a different game in the League Cup with no extra time. It'll go straight to penalties. It's a completely different outlook on the fixture. So I think one of those three players, if you want to sort of put an argument forward to any of them. I want to give it a Fred, but the the bastard in me, if you like, wants to give it to a Henderson. And the reason for that is it's the one point for the guy who's competing for the one point. And like you said, I think in the context of the game, if that ball goes in, who knows what sort of match it ends up being. So if we're talking purely of the importance of that save, I'm up for giving it a Henderson. Would you agree with that one? Yeah, look, and it just adds more fuel to the fire, which is what I don't like about having these two goalkeepers here at the same time. Look, it's fantastic at the moment, and long may it continue. But um, it just adds fuel to that fire because De Gea's done nothing wrong. But now we're all screaming for Henderson to play, and you just think, well, is that fair on De Gea? But it's a cutthroat business. But, um, yeah, I've been very impressed with Dean Henderson so far this season, especially... Um, and his two performances in the League Cup. Number one for the potential future, number one. But we'll keep an eye on that in the weeks to come. Tom, I'll give it to you to go through the Facebook comments. Yeah, so a few boys have left there. Three, two, one. So Rob has said, all this is on Facebook this morning, three points for Mata, obviously, two points for Bay, and one point for Henderson. So he has um, pre-heard our little chat there. Um, George is three points. Bay, three points. George. Go have a word with yourself. Two points for Mata and one point for Vanderbeek. So, again, you can't really argue with that um, difference of opinions. Will has said the way Mata receives and distributes the ball and gets the players going forward is absolutely class. Blessed to have him at the club and what a finish. And Cameron said when Oli wanted Haaland, they got him a Galo on the last minute on the deadline day. Now Oli wants Sancho. They're going to get him Dembele, which will definitely get him the transfers. But um, yeah, it makes a very good point there in terms of the latest rumours. But, um, yeah, it's not good to see some positivity on the Facebook and Twitter page today after a 3-0 win. Oh, mate, yeah. Put it in my veins, please, because um, Twitter's a quite negative place and I'm quite a happy person. So always up for some positive energy. Tom, let's talk about the transfers a little bit. Uh, Jaden Sancho, the latest there. Honestly, I'm sick of talking about it and I can't wait for the 5th of October so we don't have to talk about it again. Um, so the latest reports are... Well, nothing new, really. Um, United were expected to make a bid this week. The stance from Dortmund is the same. If you're believing Fabrizio Romano, who everyone's treating as the football pope. Um, 
if United want to want the player, you got to pay the 120 million euros. Tom, is the deal going to happen or not? I'm asking you, mate. Look, over the past couple of weeks or months, it probably is. Um, I've sort of always had a hunch that it's going to happen. I'm probably at the stage now with only a few days left in the window. If I'm putting money on it, I don't think it's going to happen. I just think United have left it too late. And Dortmund have probably taken a stance, which whether they're going to regret this or not, I'm not sure. Time will tell. But I think Tot- um, sorry, Tottenham, sorry, Dortmund have got to the stage where they're just going to think, well, we've had this stance for so long. We're going to look the idiots if we cave and sort of when we're saying he's not for sale. So in terms of if United are currently sort of offering around 80 to 90 million in terms of whether euros, pounds, who knows. But if we're sort of around 20 or 30 million off, at this stage with a few days to go, I would want us to be three or four million off their asking price. But we seem to be so far away, I just don't think it's going to happen. And we'll get into the Dembele bit in a little bit, which throws up a whole different debate. But I think there is definitely something in that. And I just think United maybe are conceding defeat in this one. And it's sad because I think if Jaden Sancho doesn't arrive now, I don't think he ever arrives. I think this it's now or never for Jaden Sancho. And sadly, um, I think it's done. I don't I can't see him playing at United. Oh mate, that's um that's quite depressing. I've told you I want this jersey. I, I want this red kit and I've been holding out for Sancho number seven, but I'm with you. I'm not feeling positive. But a player who might feel it, and you've touched on him there a little bit. Uh, Dembele, Barcelona player. He signed for something ridiculous like 180 million euros at the time. When Neymar left, he hasn't lived up to the billing. He's got a horrendous injury record. So, of course, that means he flopped at Barcelona. Well, yeah, let's go after him for Manchester United on loan. No doubt about it. Barcelona want to sell the player. United are insisting on a loan with option to buy. Do you think that this could potentially be a good deal for Manchester United or is it simply a case of just getting anyone in? Oh, look, depends what way you look at it. In terms of the quality of the player, he could be fantastic. He could come in and be the best player in the league. He has unbelievable talent. But this deal concerns me so much. And the first thing you can't hide from is his injury record. It is Phil Jones' level of injury record. It's horrible. And you, you can't hide from that, and that is a definite consideration the club have to look at when they're signing a player of this sort of, or spending the money that this player's going to cost. You do have to look at that injury record, and you're almost just going to assume that he will spend half the season out injured. He probably maybe even more than that if you go back throughout throughout his career. But my main concern with this one isn't so much that it's his. Does he have a desire to play for United? I think he very well might do. Who knows? But my gut feeling is that. Would Barcelona would be wanting to get rid of him? He'd want to stay at Barcelona, but Barcelona forced him out the door, and Wood would just happily takes him as a replacement to Sancho to sort of appease the fans. But I just feel we've seen this before with a Di Maria, and I don't want to say it's exactly the same situation, but Di Maria, Falcao, and Alexis Sanchez, where we're going to be paying so much money for this player who has so many problems, whether it be an injury record, whether it be an inconsistency in his performances, whether it be his desire to actually be at the club in the first place, it just doesn't seem what Solskjaer wants and that's where I get my concern if Solskjaer wants a player fantastic let's go for it but it just doesn't feel like that this feels like it's coming from the Woodward and Glazers that say hey we can't get Sancho who's a young exciting footballer that can sell a few shirts and Dembele is obviously that because he's a, he's a fantastic player but it, yeah. the deal just concerns me for for all the reasons I've said and one of the main things and maybe sort of a sub- subconscious thing so I've never forgiven him for that miss against Liverpool where they were 3-0 up for Barcelona and he had a chance to make it 4-0. And if he puts that away, Liverpool don't win the Champions League. I'm sure they don't have the confidence to go on and win the Premier League. So Dembele is culpable for 
the reason Liverpool is so successful now. So I haven't forgiven him for that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> banter aside, um, I'm with you. I, I share all your sentiments. Talented footballer. Look, it could be a stroke of genius by Woodward. I think there's no doubt about it that this is purely a case of we're trying our luck here. It could be a pot of gold. It could be it could be a bag of shit. But if he turns up, has an unbelievable season, um, look, it could be a piece of genius. He won't cost as much as Sancho. Um, but, yeah, look, I'm with you. I'd much prefer the Englishman to come in. I think would, he ticks a lot of boxes. Loan. It would have to be a loan. They couldn't be looking at a permanent deal at the moment. Oh, no doubt about it. If this was a permanent deal, it would be a tragedy. Um, but Fabrizio Romano is saying that United are insistent on a loan option only uh, with the potential future option of buy. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, and I mean, in terms of the outs, um, Roma are expected to come in with an improved bid for Chris Smalling. Um, it's close to the 15 million euro mark. United been holding out for 20 million again from the football Pope that is Fabrizio Romano. Um, do you think that this one you expect to get done? I, I couldn't see him staying, surely. Yeah, I think when you just look at United's training, he's obviously not training with United at the moment or in training with the first team. He's not involved in any of the squads. I think you just... I've, I've accepted that Chris Smalling's gone. Fair play to him. Um, hopefully the club get what they want um, in terms of fee. Um, I don't know if that is holding back any other fee, any other deals in terms of bringing Tellers in. I'm not quite sure. But um, hopefully they can sort that out soon. You look at the other ones which we've mentioned. I think Pereira does look on loan to Italy. That's done. Delow whether his performance today will have an influence, who knows, but um, he does look like he's off to Italy. Other than that, I'm pretty sure that is uh, the only outs. I can't see any two. There might maybe a, a shock departure on the last day. There's always um, an opportunity for that, but um, I think the main one does look like Delo, Pereira and Chris Smalling. Yeah, Phil Jones to Real Madrid. You heard it here first. Um, Telles is a weird one. Again, it looks like there's been a stalemate. Um, again, United not willing to meet the asking price of a football club we've heard that before can we just change our name to considering united fc or interested in considering I fc think some i think of the media, yes it is so frustrating when you see that but i'm getting the feeling now the media know how much united hate that how much fans hate that we're monitoring and considering a player i think they're just including that in every single headline now just to piss the fans off because if you do if you do annoy us you're going to get clicks you're going to get attention you're going to get sort of attention on your Twitter page, on your headlines. So I get the feeling that that term, considering and monitoring, sort of is being taken advantage of a little bit by certain parts of the media. Look, I'm with you, but while we're on the topic of headlines and box office, let's talk about this Tottenham game, Tom, coming up on the weekend. I'm excited for it. It's Oli versus Jose, and Jose's box office, uh, whether you think he's finished as a top or elite football manager, his box office, all or nothing, this... This rivalry seems to continue. Do you want to talk about the 18-yard box, the goalposts? Um, or do you want to just... Let's talk about Oli and Jose. Um, how do you think this game will play out? And then I'll sort of just ask you, what do you expect in terms of the starting eleven? Yeah, well, I think Jose and Solskjaer are starting to become a little bit of a sort of underrated sort of managerial rivalry. Um, there seems to be a little bit of needle there. I think there'll always be that case where a manager gets sacked and that replacement manager comes in then there's always going to be, even if they do like each other off the pitch, there'll be a little bit of tension there saying, well, one person will say, oh, I shouldn't have been sacked, I'm, I did a better job than you, and the other person saying the opposite. So then there is a little bit of needle between, which is good for the game, which is what you want. But Jose Mourinho looks like Solskjaer is getting under his skin a little bit, or whether it be Solskjaer or Manchester United, or just life in general seems to piss Mourinho off. But Mourinho is having a couple of digs, and 
Solskjaer has had a couple of digs about fair play to him, but I think it adds a different dimension, sort of another dimension to the game. I'm not sure if Solskjaer should be getting involved with it. I don't think Solskjaer's doing anything wrong. He's not making a, he's not embarrassing himself, but um, I don't know if Mourinho is sort of sort of bringing his mind games to the table and we know when he does do that he he can sort of manage a freak not that Tottenham getting a result of Old Trafford would be a freak result but I think United definitely start the game as favourites given Tottenham's fixture schedule and I think when Jose Mourinho's backs to the wall we've seen he can manage a result In terms of managing the result um, look, like you said I'm with you um, they've had a they had a draw against Newcastle last start I just want to get your opinion on, do you expect the old Park the Bus Jose in this one, or do you think he'll actually come out for it and try and get a result against United? Yeah, I think he's going to sit back and park the bus. Um, I remember the first game after lockdown, well, it sort of was a tight game. I do remember, if, if I can cast my mind back that far, United being quite comfortable. It was sort of on the break, Tottenham had a few chances. So that is why maybe made the case, and maybe this is bias and maybe just another fanboy. I, mean, I wouldn't be opposed with the form matter is in. I could play him and just have that Greenwood option off the bench in terms of, I think we're going to dominate the possession. I think especially if Pogba and Bruno are in there, Pogba looked a little bit sharper today. I think we're going to dominate possession and having sort of playing against that low block, which we might not consider with Tottenham so much because they're a big club or sort of considered a big club and a big team. We don't really think of them sitting deep like a Brighton Wood or an Aston Villa Wood or a Southampton Wood, but I think Tottenham will. So I wouldn't be opposed to one matter coming in because I think that's how the game will play out. However, you do need a goal threat, and Mason Greenwood um, obviously does offer that. I could definitely make a case for one matter. I'm with you. I'm, I think you just got to run with players who are in good form. And yes, they say his age is a concern, but this is a game where we will keep the ball, so he won't need to really do a lot of running. I think you can put the players in behind him to support that. Um, look, it'd be an interesting one. Um, look, that Son will be out for this one. Um, I Son, which is a, that's big for us. I think. Absolutely. Um, and that takes away not just the goal threat, but in my opinion, their best player. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Um, no Gareth Bale still. He's injured. Shocker, shocker. Um, I think, look, as always, Harry Kane's going to be the one to watch here, isn't he? And um, in terms of United's eleven, do you think, do we expect Eric Bailly to come in here? Do you think this is the one where it's like, okay, he's now put back-to-back performances together? Do we expect the... Did, well, yeah, do you expect him to start next to Harry Maguire? Well, I expected it last week and it didn't happen, but... Again, yeah, I do expect it, and I think he definitely deserves to. Nothing against Lindelof, but I think Maguire... Well, Maguire was uh, obviously not involved against Brighton, so there is maybe a little bit of injury concern. It could be Bay and Lindelof, but let's just assume it's going to be Maguire. Again, like, like I said, I'd be shocked if Bay doesn't play, because one, his performance to deserve it, and two, we've conceded how many goals in the first two games with Lindelof. And again, that all isn't down to Lindelof, but something needs to change at centre-back, and I think that at the moment, without any new signing to come in... I think the best option is Eric Bay, But I think another one which I'll throw to you then, De Gea and Henderson. Again, De Gea's done nothing, to be, nothing wrong to be dropped. But Dean Henderson, you think after his performances, he maybe deserves that reward. So I don't know where you sit on that one. This almost sounds unfair. I think there's a case of waiting for De Gea to make an absolute howler. Um, let in a goal. Much like if you think back to when we versed Tottenham post-football uh, post restart. Um, the way he conceded the goal against Bergwijn, where the shot just slips through his fingers, should a something should a goal be conceded in that nature? I think there's no doubt about it. Henderson will come in. I think there's a belief from within the club that Henderson will be the number one, and I dare say by Christmas that could be the case. But I think in in this match, um, you have to say it would be De Gea just simply because he has not done anything really wrong 
whereas Henderson's doing everything right. So I think it's one to keep an eye on, but for this one, I think the Spaniard does maintain his spot in net. Um, so before we do um, wrap up the podcast, Tom, I do have to ask you, what's the score prediction in this one? Surely it's a Bruno Fernandes penalty, 95th minute. I think it'll be just before full-time on this occasion, though. Yeah, I wouldn't put money on anything post-final um, whistle. But my main thing is a dramatic and controversial penalty being awarded um, for the win. But I would like, again, maybe a bit of a comfortable one. Because um, I think Tottenham, they're, they are frail at the moment. I think if we can manage maybe a goal early, um, and United are in a bit of form, United can sort of maybe go on and make a little bit of a statement. Maybe that's maybe a bit of a fan in me. More hope than expectation. But um, I am expecting a win by United. I think we'll perform well. Um, I think Tottenham aren't in the greatest of shapes at the moment. And I think... If ever United are going to make a statement, it has to be now. Um, it's obviously a couple of hours before the transfer deadline shuts, so I think the outlook will dramatically change um, in the hours post match. But in terms of the performance, I'm expecting a good game. Let's go. Let's go two nil. Two penalties. Anthony Martial. Oh come on! I think I think the Frenchman's going to score in this one. He's going to break his drought. You don't think so? Well, he needs to score eventually. Um, hopefully he's fit. Look, is there a case? I, I definitely wouldn't make a case, but I've seen a few people say, is there a case for maybe Solskjaer dropping him? I wouldn't say dropping him in a bad way, but he has been out of form. Um, is there a case of maybe throwing Rashford through the middle and then that allows you to maybe, we've seen, seen him sort of play Donny van der Beek off the left a little bit. Um, do you see any scenario where Martial doesn't play? Uh, I'm offended. I'm offended. Well, that I, I, de- I definitely wouldn't do it, but look, he has been, and it's only two games. I understand it's definitely not a criticism of him, but um, we've seen Martial not play before. He needs to be sharper, um, and he needs to get more involved. I think that's the key for a striker. When you're not getting the ball and things aren't going your way, just go look for the ball. Drop deep on an occasion and feed the ball around just to get more involved. I think that's what he needs to do. Um, And look, whether he scores this game or not, I just would like to see him have some good involvement because if he does, I think it means United will be more than likely to get the three points here. Uh, so before we do wrap up, um, Tom, we do have the Champions League draw that is meant to go on tonight. Um, I mean, look, considering United's pot, I think we are going to get a difficult group. Um, are you expecting much? I know it's hard for us to say. And obviously we are recording this prior to that pot being or the draw being released. So have mercy on us if we haven't touched on it too much. But yeah, um, are you expecting much? Do you expect a certain club? Is there anyone you want to avoid at all costs? Um, and or is there anyone you want United to in fact be paired with? Well, I think that there's always comes up with the Champions League draw. You do want an easy, well, no, no draw in the Champions League going to be easy. Whoever you're going to play against is going to be a tough game and a tough group. But there is a part of the Champions League whenever it comes around, you do almost want that big team. You do want a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Juventus because that's what you're in the Champions League for to play against these big clubs. So it's always finding that bit of a balance. But I'm looking at pot one, which teams we can draw against, and there's Bayern Munich. Real Madrid, obviously we can't be drawn against Liverpool, but Juventus and PSG. But other than that, there's a few teams like Porto, Zenit, and look, my money's on us getting Sevilla. We seem to play Sevilla every second week. So um, there are a few decent options in pot one. Um, and pot three and pot four, look, they're going to be tricky games, but whoever we get, I would probably put us in the top two teams. So it's just exciting we're back in the Champions League and we don't have to worry about trips, I would say, to Midgieland, but um, Midgieland have qualified for the Champions League. Well, geez, there you go. Yeah, bring it back. I love it. Love it. Love versus Midgieland. I think Rashford would fancy that. He'll just score the doubles all over again. Be fantastic. 
All right, and I think that is where we'll leave the podcast for this one. Um, So if you are holding your phone, which you probably are, and you're listening on iTunes or your Apple Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us a five-star review because it means more people can join us in the pub. And look, we're we're a friendly podcast here. If you want to get involved, you're happy to message us. Um, We're happy to accommodate everyone. And Tom, for sure, we do need to get back to the pub at some point. Um, I haven't seen you in ages. Um, Rumor has it that you're rocking a fresh new haircut um, and you, you got the Nicky Butt look. Um, can you please confirm the, the rumours going around? Well, I'd say it's a little bit shorter than Nicky Butt. Oh, 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 so, so current Nicky Butt, yeah, it does have a bit of a shade. It's not that short. But, um, yes, yeah, so I have made a little bit of a change. The hair has gone from the top of the head to the, um, the facial area. Uh, very good. Well, the class on the podcast does continue from you, mate, and it is a pleasure, as always, to do this with you. And so before we wrap up, I will just give you... Uh, our listeners the heads up uh, we will record this podcast reviewing the Tottenham result on Tuesday as opposed to the Monday we do have the transfer window closing the same day as the match um, where United will versus Tottenham so we'll cover any transfers or lack thereof um, as well as looking at the result Tom until then I'll leave you to it let's hope that United get a positive result and we're talking about the tears that Jose will be crying from the 18 yard box the short goal post or whatever other excuse he'll draw up after the match Lovely. All right, cheers. Cheers.